Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. Happy Victory Tuesday to all you Eagles fans out there. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> but hey, I'm here with Cody Roadcap today. Cody is shaking his head. I wonder why. Because you're you're guaranteeing an Eagles win, as the fans probably have figured out by now. We actually record these on Monday night to be released on Tuesday morning, <laughs> so it is just a bold exclamation that you expect they're going to win. But the real team we need to be celebrating is our Go Pack Go Green Bay Packers <laughs> after that huge Sunday night victory. Aaron Rodgers working his magic. And if you haven't seen Packers Twitter or Instagram, the sideline clip of LaFleur cheering and Aaron Rodgers the moment the kick went up, it's incredible cinematography. Go check it out. And I also particularly like, well, number one, the fact that you pulled out a cheese head out of nowhere. If everyone's not watching this on YouTube, do it. But um, otherwise, there were memes going around to Packers fans scattered throughout the stands just saying these guys are cheering with 37 seconds left. They don't realize there's 37 seconds left. And that's what Rodgers needed. Yep. 37 seconds, two <laughs> shot plays to Devontae Adams. How you're not covering him <laughs> on the last minute, I don't understand, but. Big team win, big momentum swing, proves that week one was an anomaly. Man, I, it took to week three, but I'm all in on this season. Like, we're going to the Super Bowl. I can feel it. <laughs> well, while we move some, from some NFL talk to some fantasy talk, we'll give the guys a, a little look at what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the news and notes from around the league, some good news, some bad news. And we're going to look at the waiver wire for week four because everyone's hurt and everyone needs someone to fill in somewhere. But to get to that, let's jump into NFL news here really quick. And the week started off very poorly as Christian McCaffrey pulled a hamstring on Thursday Night Football, was replaced by Chubba Hubbard, and the report is he will not be placed on injury reserve, but will miss time. I'm assuming that's probably one to two weeks. They would probably put him on injury reserve. They expected three. So there's your top waiver target. We'll we probably just highlight him here instead of waiting until the waiver segment. But is there anything else you could you know talk about with replacing Christian McCaffrey or how, what kind of impact does this have? Yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's second year in a row that McCaffrey has had a big injury. Hopefully we're all um, hoping that this is not a long-term one like last year. Um, like you said, he's not expected to go on IR. So we're imagining one to two weeks. Hubbard is the clear waiver wire pickup. He's the guy you're going out to get. If you have fab, you're probably going to have to pay up for him. Keep in mind, though, it is only expected to be a one to two week injury at this time. So maybe not blow through all your fab like you did with Elijah Mitchell after Mostert went down. And if you did get Elijah Mitchell, I'm sorry that you blew so much fab money on, on that. But another guy I do want to talk about, if you're in a deeper league, it might be, or even just want to stash for a week. It might be worth grabbing Royce Freeman. Um, he looked pretty good in relief. Hubbard is a rookie. We don't actually truly know how they're going to break this out. Maybe there'll be more of a split by committee. So um, if you have an extra spot, go out there, th grab Royce Freeman as a potential, just a wait and see type of guy, because maybe he'll end up being, you know, the lead back, just kind of similar to when Josh Jacobs got hurt. We all expected Kenyon Drake. Well, here comes Peyton Barber. Uh, so don't forget the name Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman is one of those established vets who's been good in relief before. Oh, the cheese head's going away. I'm a little disappointed. It's getting a little too heavy. Okay. 
Uh, but moving on from McCaffrey, we can talk a little bit more in waivers. Uh, we're going to go to KJ Hamler. He's a receiver who we've been talking about adding the last few weeks in that very interesting Denver situation. He tore his ACL, unfortunately, this week. He is out for the season. Cortland Sutton is seemed to be emerging as the number one target in Denver again. But I think this gives a big boost to Tim Patrick. What do you think? Yeah, I do like Tim Patrick. You know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater has that team rolling. They're 3-0, and probably one of the bigger surprise 3-0s. and I know we talked about when they were even debating Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, why are you rolling him out there? Go with Drew Locke. Go with the gunslinger. You know, compete. You know what you have. But Bridgewater's proven us wrong. He's proven a lot of people in the NFL wrong. Uh, Tim Patrick is the second wide receiver I would own on that team. Just a little expectation-wise, though, Noah Fant is either what option one B or option number two, however you look at it. So Tim Patrick would be option number three in the past game, in my opinion. Um, so he's not a guy like I'm forcing in any starting lineups, but definitely a guy you should be owning uh, if you have the opportunity. Definitely agree with that one there. Um, I feel like I sound like a broken record and we've only been doing this podcast for a year and I think it happened last year and it'll happen again next year and it'll happen again the year after that. And it happened four years before that. Josh Gordon got reinstated, everybody. <laughs> How many He's weeks back. is it going to last? <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully for Josh's sake, he can, you know, latch on to the Chiefs. Even if it's, uh, you know, he, that's where he's getting signed to. If we didn't make that clear, he's going to the Chiefs. Um, I yeah. believe it's to the roster. It could be to the practice squad. I haven't officially. I believe got it was the, actually the practice squad. So it is the practice squad. I hadn't heard the reports yes. at the time of recording. Um, so the practice squad, because of the new rules, he'll need to get up to game speed. I know there's going to be people in your leagues rushing out to go get Josh Gordon. Don't be one of those. Let them take care of that. You let a guy like Hubbard fall because someone thinks Josh Gordon is going to be elite on the Chiefs offense. Uh, unless there's an injury, you're starting, you're keeping Hill and Kelsey. You know, this hurts your chances of a Mikel Harbin flyer some weeks. But outside of that, like, don't expect a lot of things out of Josh Gordon. He, he he has to prove it. You know, he's played in a few games for Seattle. He looked good, but it's been a while since he's been on the field. So we'll have to wait and see. But hopefully this is the last time Josh Gordon gets reinstated and he is able to stay in the NFL until he uh, decides to wrap it up for good. To give you an idea of where I'm at, I'm at on Josh Gordon. I like him less than me, Cole Hardman. I like him about the same as Byron Pringle. And he doesn't have a cool name that sounds like a snack. Exactly. So we're going to stick with the Pringles here on this show and move on to some quarterback talk. We were all hype on Justin Fields. Justin Fields finally getting into the game last week. And Cody's going to make me word this a lot more nicely. He played poorly, to say the least. Um, so mm -hmm. poorly that the Bears may bench him this week, even if Andy Dalton's not ready. Nick Foles' name came into the conversation for week four. Is this just a bump in the road, or what do you think this is with Justin Fields? I Don't get me wrong. I think coming into the season, everyone knew Justin Fields. Um, he was dynamic. He was electric. But he needed a little bit more grooming. No one expected him to start right away as much as Chicago fans wanted him to. They wanted him over Andy Dalton. He had his shining moments in the preseason, but he also had his really uh, poor moments in the preseason. That's what you expect the rookie quarterback. But I do have to question Matt Nagy to some degree. This game plan looked like it was still tailored to Andy Dalton. 
like Justin Fields adds a whole nother dynamic for your offense with his mobility, play action, rollouts, bootlegs, you name it, get them on the move. You know, don't just put them back there with a banged up offensive line against probably the best defensive line in football and just let them go, go sack the quarterback. They, they didn't move them. How the bear bears only accumulated 47 yards of total offense in four quarters of football. It, like that doesn't, that stat doesn't even seem real to me. Like how a team no. can move the ball that poorly. Um, so bears fans don't freak out too much about Justin Fields. He's still young. There's still plenty of time to grow. Maybe it would be best to, uh, you know, keep him on the bench. Don't let him, you know, fall into two or three more games like that. Destroy his confidence. I mean, that's why you have Nick Foles there. Hopefully Dalton can get back. Uh, but to the same point, this is what we also talked about last week with Matt Nagy saying Dalton is the starter when he's healthy. And that was because if Fields came out and performed like this, there was no question. Like, it was like, oh, whoa, Dalton, it was the starter no matter what. It's not like a tr- true benching for Fields unless they go to Foles this week if Dalton is out. Yeah, I was going to say, if they go to Foles now, it's a benching. And that's the part that they may keep Fields in if he's going to struggle because they don't want to say they benched field. But at this point, he might be too raw still. He might need to just sit back and practice more and like look more at next year. I know Bears fans don't like to hear that. Or they really do need to tailor this game plan different. Just But going back to that uh, 47 yards of total offense, you said? 47 yards. There, there's just ridiculous stats. Like I'm going to get to the one we have on the rundown, but first off, like the sacks take away total yards, but they don't really take away yards for like per player. So the stats look a little bit weird. David Montgomery gained 55 yards of offense between rushing and receiving. So he technically outgained the offense. If you look at it weirdly that way, because sacks took away so many yards for the bears that it's just insane. The other one that I wanted to get to and to kind of transition to our next thing is, Justin Tucker kicked a 66-yard game-winning record-tying field goal to win the game for the Ravens this week. That kick alone was 19 yards longer than the Bears gained on offense this week. It was historically bad. Yeah, historically bad offense for the Bears, but a historical kick for Justin Tucker. Uh, that game, I won. I couldn't. I know that people are going to be complaining about the missed delayed delay of game. I understand officials make mistakes you saw all over sunday night you saw it all over sunday it happens things go uncalled in those moments offenses are often give given the benefit of the doubt anyways justin tucker's kick was amazing to watch the fact that it just it hit the up the uh, the center crossbar bounced in 66 yards i know there was people on twitter analyzing how he had an extra hitch in his step to make sure he got as much leg power as possible <laughs> I saw the freezing cold takes on Twitter retweeted uh, a post from when they moved on from Billy Clundiff for Justin Tucker and how bad, big of a mistake that was for the Ravens to make. Man, Justin Tucker's had an incredible career, Hall of Fame kicker. Uh, great for him to get that into the record books. And poor Detroit Lions. The last time Tucker played in Detroit, he kicked a 61-yarder to beat the Lions. And I also believe the Lions were on the – the wrong end of Dempsey's career or the original 64 yard field goal record. The lions were on the losing end of that one too. So four for the lions, but what a kick and 
the Ravens, they pulled a tough one out in a game that surprised us all, I would have to say. Yeah, I'm surprised the Lions hung in that. I The Ravens offense was just stuck the entire game, but I guess there's no other more fitting Detroit way for that game to end than Tucker to break a record to win it. It was amazing to watch. I think everyone in the room that I was in thought it missed when it hit the crossbar and it happened to bounce through. You don't see that happen too often. So insane. But moving on, then we got the Jacksonville Jaguars have traded CJ Henderson, their first round cornerback from 2020 to the Carolina Panthers for tight end Dan Arnold and a third round pick. So Darnold to D Arnold is no longer a thing. Let's have a moment of silence. But importantly, yeah. All right, you can continue. Okay, good. Um, But really what this does is it really solidifies the Panthers' defense. Their weak point was the secondary. They also activated Rashawn Melvin from their practice squad. He's another veteran cornerback. I believe it used to play for Denver. So they're trying to shore up that secondary. May make them a defense you want to stream for good matchups that aren't just like the Jets. Um, but I think the thing that Cody wants to highlight here is Dan Arnold. Does he become a little bit more fantasy relevant than he was even moving to the Jaguars who didn't really have a tight end of his caliber? I think you have it definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm not hundred percent sure I'm running out to get him this week. If you're a streaming tight end option, like he has to have a week or two to get used to the offense. But again, like in a couple of weeks, let's see how they're used. I know they were trying to use the tight end, you know, a lot. You know, O'Shaughnessy had a little bit of fantasy value. They've been trying to figure out the position. They even brought in Tim Tebow at the beginning of the offseason and try to get some energy. Dan Arnold is, you know, he's not the the flashiest guy out there, but he's a solid tight end option. So maybe he does become a nice rep- repertoire. He has a nice rapport with uh, – <laughs> Trevor Lawrence in the few weeks to come. Uh, so definitely a name I'm keeping an eye on. But man, the Panthers, I used to I don't know if it was you, if it was Tyler, if it was Chance. I don't know who it was, but before the season started, I said I really like the Panthers this year. I think they're going to make a push for the playoffs. And everyone was like, "Oh no. You know, the the Bucks are going to win that division." I said, "Yeah, the Bucks will probably win that division, but I really like the Panthers to make, you know, the wild card or something like that." And they're like, "Oh, you don't how can you trust Sam Darnold?" Sam Darnold has looked great. He's becoming uh, an interesting waiver wire candidate that I believe we're going to get into it in a little bit. Uh, I know they did just lose J.C. Horn for a couple weeks or potentially longer for some broken bones Why they went out and made this trade to improve their secondary. But the Panthers, I'm liking what I'm seeing from them. They're a good offense. Hopefully they can. this injury bug just happened because it was a Thursday night game and it doesn't continue. Uh, but the Panthers are looking good. I like this trade for both sides, actually, because Henderson needed a fresh start, but he is a very solid corner. And Henderson and Horn in the next few years could be a dangerous duo. Very true. I don't think it was me you were talking to about the Panthers. I think I would have been on your side a little bit because last year I was saying how the Panthers should have been two to three years away, and I thought they were one. And now especially adding Darnold. I, I like Sam Darnold like you. So probably wasn't me, but... I, that's a very interesting take and it could have gone either way honestly a lot of us had love for Sam Darnold and there was not really anything to back it up on it now we're starting to get some stuff to back it up we'll get into him a little later like you said though a uh, couple of well wishes before we move on to my favorite segment 
Uh, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid was sent to the hospital post game. He said he was not feeling well. There wasn't many details other than that, but he has been released. He's said to be okay and is supposed to be back in the Chiefs facility either tomorrow or later in the week. So that's good to hear. Putting out well wishes to Andy Reid to have a full recovery from whatever's going on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thoughts out for Andy Reid. Glad he was released on Monday afternoon. But, you know, just talk about another great one o'clock game the Chargers and the Chiefs game that was back and forth I know the Chiefs had a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers I know we typically talk about fantasy but fantasy aside that was just a fun game to watch and I'm excited for the Chiefs Chargers rivalry for the next couple years Herbert Mahomes Allen Hill like that the defense versus the revamped offensive line that everyone is talking about for the Chiefs that all of a sudden is starting to look like they're a little bit of struggling uh, so and the Chiefs are the another random fact, but the Chiefs are under 500 for the first time since 2015. It's been crazy wow. how dominant they have. I mean, that dates back to Alex Smith, but still, just thinking about how dominant they've been. To, this is the first time they've been under 500 since 2015. And I get that you highlighted Keenan Allen, but before we move on, I just want to highlight Mike Williams. It's a contract year. He's never looked like he put together his game completely in his entire career, but he's shown flashes. His start to this season is absolutely insane, and I think I'm bought in. I think he can actually sustain it to an extent. He's actually been targeted more than Keenan Allen, which is also insane to think. Yeah, there he is definitely taking advantage of the double teams Keenan Allen draws, and it's not like Keenan Allen's struggling. They're both putting up oh, yeah, totally. really good fantasy points, and I know Justin Herbert, He, I think he was tied for the most 300-yard passing games in a certain amount of time with you know, one of those random stats. So he likes to throw the ball all over the field. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. Mike Williams, until further notice, he is beyond just that random flex week. I think he's a solid wide receiver, too, on the brink of being a wide receiver one. be interested to see how this – if it continues, if both Keenan Allen and him will finish – as a wide receiver one, or if one of them will fall off, hopefully Mike Williams avoids the entry bug knocking on wood for all you Chargers fans out there. I know he's dealt with that in the years past, so you're probably hoping that doesn't happen this year. But I think it's time to get into Georgia's favorite segment, Quotes of the Week. Quotes of the Week for this week. We're going to start off taking it out to the desert and Kyler Murray who another team that should have dominated this week, but had to have a comeback against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was quoted after the game saying the last two years, we would have lost that game for sure. And I think he's right. Like, I think the Cardinals are taking that step. We were expecting him to last year, this year, finally. And that's also saying something because Deandre Hopkins was taken out of that game. He was one of those guys that really disappointed for your fantasy teams this week. And they still found a way to put up enough points to win the game. So props to the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, and I wouldn't worry about DeAndre Hopkins, but he'll be back. Yeah, Hopkins definitely had an injury going into the week. Uh, they said he was fine, but it definitely looked like it hampered him a little bit. He might have been used as a little bit about more decoys. Uh, Kyler Murray has a point there last year. They probably won, won, won that game, or they would have lost that game, as I guess the way he phrased it. Um, but Cliff, I'm talking to you. I know. I'm talking right to you. That's 68 yard field goal. Um, what were you doing, buddy? Like Kyler's got an arm. Just throw a hail mary. You got Hopkins. 
<laughs> even if he is half limited, you got AJ Green, one of the best jump ball catchers of our generation. Like you, you try to give the game away. I know it was right before halftime, so you had the whole second half, uh, but that needed some work. And how about the ref making Rondell more muff by somehow throwing his flag and it perfectly timed to hit the ball? Did you see that clip on the internet? No, I didn't. What? Yeah. So if you go, and I, I'll try to tweet it out on the Couch Games Twitter for our listener. Uh, but yeah, there's a clip that um, there's a penalty earlier from the Gunners. So the ref that's standing behind Moore throws his flag. And just the timing of the punt coming down and the flag going across the field, they make contact and it shifts the ball just a little bit that more than muffs the punt. Um, I can't remember if the Cardinals ended up recovering the ball or I imagine they would, or it'd be a lot more people complaining, but still it was just one of those. It's like Randy Johnson, like destroying that bird. Like <laughs> it's just, how does that happen? Like perfect timing things that like you couldn't do that. If you tried a thousand times, you wouldn't be able to re- recreate that, but just something cool to see out there on the football field. Very interesting there, man. I'll have to, yeah, definitely try to find that one to post on the Twitter, on our Twitter page. I'd love to see that. Uh, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Head coach Mike Zimmer after the game said, I told the team it's the best offensive performance I've seen in eight years that I've been here. They put up 30 points against the Seahawks. I get it. The Seahawks are traditionally a good defense, but I don't quite understand unless he's just trying to blow up their egos a little bit, make them feel a little bit better about themselves after a rough start. I don't I don't know if that was quite the best offensive performance I've seen out of the Vikings in the last eight years. Yeah, interesting statement to say without your high-paid number one running back, too. Like, what is that? That's true, too. Like, are they – are you saying that your team actually plays better when you're not forced to feature Dalvin Cook? Is that what you're trying to say? Again, maybe it could have just been – you know, this is a team that was 0-2. A lot of people picked the Seahawks to win, thinking they would go to 0-3. It was a big home victory. Maybe just trying to get some momentum going. I completely get that. Sometimes coaches uh, like to exaggerate. In the moment, yeah, but 30 points against the Seattle defense, who just gave up a boatload of points to the Tennessee Titans, missing Dalvin Cook to say your best offensive performance. And maybe he maybe he was just talking directly to Kirk Cousins, who looked really good in that game. Oh, that's possible. If he was just talking and he just, you know, said the team instead of calling out Kirk Cousins, uh, I'm going to tend to think after saying that a lot, I'm, I'm going I'm to assume that's what that meant. <laughs> And I mean, it better not be about not featuring Dalvin Cook, because honestly, I feel like Alexander Madison got just as much or more work in the offense than Cook would have in a regular week. He had 26 carries and eight targets, caught six balls of those eight targets. That's insane, especially for a backup running back. But we know Madison has the ability to do that whenever Cook doesn't play. But that's a lot of work for one guy in an entire offense. So it can't even be because, oh, because they didn't have to feature Dalvin Cook because they featured Alexander Madison just as much. For sure. And uh, thank you uh, just for uh, filling time on Thursday's podcast when we were doing last Thursday's podcast, I say, when we were doing mm-hmm. this. And uh, I was able to pick up Dalvin Cook mid-show, or not Dalvin Cook, Alexander <laughs> Madison mid-show, uh, and then started him in replace of Daryl Henderson. And he had a great week. So I appreciate that. And uh Maybe you should listen to our show and you'll get great tips like that to help you win your fantasy weeks. Shameless plug. (laughs) And we'll keep you updated on Dalvin Cook this week, but it looks like he's going to trend to play. We'll know more on our Friday podcast, though, and let you guys know when we break down that game. One more quote for this week. We go back to the Chargers and head coach Brandon Staley on Justin Herbert saying, we're just lucky to have a gangster at quarterback. 
I mean, I know we have younger coaches, but how often have you heard a quarterback called a gangster? Um, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to have to have you take it over because I lost my train of thought. Uh, Honestly, I don't have much to say either. I just think the funniest part is like NFL Network post game. They always put up like quotes from like coach as his press conference is going on. This made a lower third too. I just imagine the person on CG was just like, "Why the heck am I typing this?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Herbert he balled <laughs> out. He looked good. Um, we talked about it on the show previously. Like, have faith in Herbert. He had 84 yards called back in penalties week two. They were struggling in the red zone. They seemed to start to make progress on that. They were able to convert those into touchdowns. Man, the Chargers looked really good. As, again, as long as that whole team can stay healthy. That has been their big Achilles heel the last couple of years. But, George, I know I, I make fun of you for being a closet Chargers fans all the time. But I'm, I'm starting to get on board with this, this Chargers team. So, hopefully that doesn't caused some bad juju but and the chargers are fun to watch juju did not have a good week either but we'll we'll go past that one there and uh why don't we move on to the main part (laughs) you're right while we move on to the main part of our show then and talk about some week four waiver wire all righty so week four waiver wires hopefully uh, you had a good week, and some of these guys you won't be able to get to because you're dominating your fantasy leagues. Maybe you're in a fab league, and you need to know a little bit about how much you should be willing to spend for these guys. Uh, we have a full breakdown on our top waiver wire picks over at thecouchgms.com. Uh, but for now, George and I are going to do a little bit of back and forth. We each pick three guys that we like this week, and I'm going to kick it off. And this may be a little bit of bias because I started him last week, and he ended up with two touchdowns. But I'm going to go with wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. I feel like he's been the forgotten guy in Buffalo. He's only 21.4% owned. Like I mentioned, he had two touchdowns in week uh, three. Man, week three already. How crazy is that? I feel like this football season is flying. But back to Emmanuel Sanders. He has 20 targets through the first three games. Almost 200 passing yards. He's averaging 10.5 fantasy points a game in standard scoring. So in a half-point PPR, that's 12.3 points per game. So just a guy, you know, we all liked Gabriel Davis coming into the season as a potential year-two breakout. But for now, it seems like Emmanuel Sanders is playing the Gabriel Davis role, what we expected. I know Cole Beasley still eats up some targets and catches. But if Josh Allen isn't throwing the ball like 30 times a game, at least, I don't know. I mean, that feels like that's his floor of passing attempts for the year he's going to spread it out so Emmanuel Sanders is definitely creeping his way into a solid flex option now you see I was tossing up when I was writing the waiver wire article if I should put in Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley and I went with Cole Beasley because of the sheer amount of targets he's getting compared to Sanders honestly I think Sanders is probably the more explosive player and he is definitely taking over that two slash three roll and getting a lot of fantasy points. But the fact that Cole Beasley had 13 targets in week one and week three is making me lean Beasley, but he is a little bit more owned. So if you can't get a Cole Beasley or if you prefer Emmanuel Sanders, he's still a great pickup, but that's just my argument for the other side of that. It's a great argument. And again, if you're in a full point PPR 
format, Beasley is probably a little bit better because he does already have 10 more targets, 12 more receptions on the year than Emmanuel Sanders. But if you're in standard scoring or even half-point PPR, I do like the Emmanuel Seniors. Um, and, I mean, again, it's the Bills offense. There's a lot of pieces, and Allen is starting to look better than he did in the first week. You know, you saw that in the second half of week two, and now you put a good game together in week three against a pretty solid defense in the Washington football team. Not a guy in Emmanuel Sanders are going to go blow a ton of fab dollars on, you know, depending on your league, where you're at, how many flex options your scoring format, it will vary. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe 10 to $15 would be a reasonable amount. You know, sometimes, it, and, and when we talk about fab, it is also hard for us to tell because we're not a part of your league. You know, if your, your league mates are, you know, frugal fab players, they're like three, $4. And if, if you know that $7 will get you a win, only put $7. Mm-hmm. Don't go blow through your money. And then sometimes, you know, there's that guy that's going to throw $30 on a guy just because he needs them for a kicker because it's his kicker's bye week. So you play in that league, you might have to give up a little bit more fab dollars. Definitely. There are suggested fab budgets on the um, article as well. I actually have $5 on Cole Beasley, but you may want to inch towards 10. It, like you said, it depends on your league. These are just like my rough estimates or our rough estimates here on what we think you should spend. Uh, my first player on the waiver list for the show here is Sam Darnold. And we talked about him a little bit earlier. He has been really catching his stride in that offense. And this is probably the best supporting cast that he has had in his entire career. And the first time he's really escaped Adam Gase and it's showing. So after 19 and 18 point weeks in the first two, he exploded for 25 against Houston. And you can say he's had bad matchups. He played the Jets and then the Saints with a pretty rough defense and then Houston. But his schedule doesn't get any harder. He has Dallas after this and then Philly, Minnesota, the Giants, Atlanta, New England is the next tough matchup. And that's week nine. So you could honestly go out there, get Sam Darnold, and if you have a quarterback who has a rough matchup and you want to put in Sam Darnold, you can put him in fairly comfortably for the next five weeks. That is not something you normally get off the waiver wire. I love it. I, I, <laughs> people, I, I, I think Sam Darnold's a great ad this week. He would, If you desperately need a running back, I would understand why like Hubbard would be your, your top option. Um, but if you're streaming quarterbacks, Darnold would be a guy that I'm going after. You know, maybe you didn't get a a solid quarterback in in the draft. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to start Sam Darnold over Mahomes, over Tom Brady, the way he's playing, uh, over Matthew Stafford at this point, which is probably another guy we could talk about on waivers. He's a little bit more owned, but a guy a lot of people were down on this year. The dude is balling out. He's better than Jared Goff. But that's all I got to say. I'm going to say it every time. You know, I was thinking about the whole Matt Stafford thing with waiver wire, but honestly, he's a lot more owned than I expected. And in NFL.com leagues, he was at like 97%. So he's not even an option in most leagues. But if you're in those 3% that he isn't owned, he needs to be. He is that borderline QB1 now. It's just a lot more than I expected and seems a lot more like you than you expected too. Yeah, I think that's because I was in, I I guess I was in one of those um Mm-hmm. leagues that he was in the three percent because i put a waiver request in for him i don't understand i think someone actually dropped him this week because of the tampa bay buccaneers matchup uh, so if someone did drop him because of the matchup because they were streaming you know go pick him up he seems like at this point he's a, a 
regularly, you know, week to week starter. Uh, he has looked good. Uh, but I'll move on to my next pick, which I'm going to call it my dart throw at tight ends. Now, what is my dart throw at tight ends? Well, if you're like me and you didn't draft <laughs> Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, or Hawkinson, and we can maybe throw Kyle Pitts in there. Some people are still pretty high on him. No, uh, he hasn't. No, Fant. I, I, he, he was, a, you know, more of a late round guy, um, but mm-hmm. Noah Fant is up there. You know, one of those guys, you know, your reliable week to week starters. It's been tough out there. It has been. I'm right there with you. I'm on my third tight end in three weeks. The highest person I have in a half point PPR has scored four points. I understand. It's a terrible market. So I'm going to give you some guys that, you know, maybe you should look at this week. Some I like more than others, but I'll start it off with tight end. Dawson Knox from the Buffalo Bills, like I, a lot, like I mentioned with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Allen is just back there throwing the ball a ton. Knox has found the end zone a couple times. He's getting targets. He's not just you know your tight end that sees two to three receptions. I mean, he might only get two to three receptions because he is you know option three, four, maybe five some weeks. But still, it's a high powered offense. The second guy on my list is tight end jack conklin for the minnesota vikings tyler it's tyler (laughs) conklin i literally just asked george his name jack conklin is the right tackle for the cleveland browns the tight end tyler conklin is the tight end for the minnesota vikings who mike zimmer just said was the best offensive performance he has seen in his eight years this team likes to use the tight end you know kyle rudolph was always a solid viable fantasy option you know, he would be touchdown dependent like most tight ends are, but he got involved. Conklin, his targets have gone up each week. I think that he's getting more involved. He's getting more comfortable. It doesn't appear, even though they did trade for Chris Herndon, that Chris Herndon is anywhere close to getting some playing time. So I do like the addition of Tyler Conklin this week. And the last guy I'm going to mention, not a guy I'm probably starting this week because I do want to see a little bit out of him. But tight end Tommy Tremble for the Carolina Panthers. Another guy I'm going to potentially, I'm going to try to grab on fantasy waiver wires. Heck, I might even start him this week because I can't do much worse <laughs> than what it's I've been doing. It's a dart throw. I mean, it's really just a dart throw. This this week. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown last week. So they're getting him utilized uh, in that way. I heard uh, Matt Rule came out and said, Tommy Tremble is this year's Jeremy Chin. If you remember how much rookie Jeremy Chin broke out onto the scene. So if Matt Rule says that, it's a guy I really like. If you're in my league, hopefully you didn't listen to this podcast because I'm trying to get Tommy Tremble in the second round of waivers. Because, again, I need I need a tight end pretty bad. But Tommy Tremble, Dawson Knox, Tyler Conklin, just some dart throws. Knox is 10% owned. The other two are under 1% owned. Uh, so a lot of potential out there to grab your tight ends. And hopefully – one of these dart throw hits the board and we can, you know, at least start them with like half confidence and not just like <laughs> punting on the position. Hold on. I'm going on to our league to drag Tommy Tremble up in my waiver ranking. I'm kidding. I have, I'm one of the people with TJ Hawkinson. I've been lucky, but uh, I'm going to go back and revisit the Denver Broncos wide receivers with my pick here. And it's going to be Tim Patrick because we lost KJ Hamler to the ACL this week. Tim Patrick immediately jumps right back up into consideration as the second option in that. Well, I guess probably third option in that passing offense. You got Noah Fant there as well and Cortland Sutton. But Tim Patrick 
has already been consistent this year. I don't think he's had a game under 10 points and a half PPR. A standard, he's probably been right around 10. And now you have one less weapon in that offense. At least until Jerry Judy comes back, he's definitely in flex consideration every single week. Yeah, solid option addition there. Again, not a flashy guy. Not probably a guy that will ever get 20 fantasy points. You know, maybe he'll have, you know, a two touchdown game to get you close. Uh, but just a solid option. And again, sometimes your flex needs to be, you know, just 10 to 12 points. Like you just need points to get to a certain number. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to take big swings. Like if you have a poor Thursday night showing, then maybe you want to take, you know, a big swing on a guy that could break a 70 yard touchdown or is a big play threat like a Marquez Valdez Scantling. Like he's not a solid flex option, uh, but if he pulls in one seventy five yard touchdown, he's already at 13 points. So Sometimes you just need to take those big swings. And also just a little reminder, I'll mention this again a little bit later in the show, but when we're talking flex options, that's just where, you know, we rank them. Flexes can a wide receiver three, you know, wide receiver one mm-hmm. is, you know, one to 12, two is 12 to or 13, I guess the 24, a flex is higher than 24, like 24 to 40 type range is a flex option. You mix those in with running backs. Um, but just because we say a flex doesn't mean he should be in your flex if you have a guy playing on Thursday night, get him out of your flex, put him in to your just in case there's, you know, you know, someone gets sick the night before the game and now you're stuck having to find a running back when you could have played a wide receiver on your bench. So just something to keep in mind there. This next guy though on my list and my final guy for this segment of the show, I'm interested to hear George rebuttal on it. Uh cuz I'm going to go with wide receiver Hunter Renfro from the Oakland Raiders. The dude just knows how to find the end zone. He is a guy that Derek Carr looks for in the end zone, so he has good touchdown potential. He is fun to watch. Like I feel like this dude is like 40. I feel like he was at Clemson <laughs> for 15 years, uh, but he's still a very young player in the league. I just He has a connection. I think I can't find the exact – I couldn't find the exact quote before we started recording the show, and I apologize for that but i'm pretty sure there's a quote out there that Derek carr like said he was like the best route runner or the best wide receiver on the team i forget the exact so they just have what i'm trying to get to is they have definitely have a connection that they like to to utilize again not the flashiest guy he's probably not going to have you know any big touchdowns um but i look to him find find the end zone pretty often it seems like it's either him or Darren Waller once they get down there. So just a guy I enjoying picking up. Um, let me just pull up, pull up his numbers. He has 19 targets. Or I'm sorry, he has 22 targets on the season. Um, it's a guy Derek Carr looks like, and Derek Carr, you know, I he looked good again against Miami. Like I know the game went to overtime. That's their second overtime game of this year already. Crazy to think two out of three games are going to overtime, but they're three and zero. They're putting up points. So you can't go – you can do a lot worse than Hunter Renfro, I guess is the best way to put it. You can do worse than Hunter Renfro, but I also believe you can do better. And this is why Cody said I was going to rebuttal because my last guy on the list is Henry Ruggs. <laughs> Same team, completely different kind of receiver. So I get it. Renfro has more targets than Ruggs. Through three weeks, it's a whole three more targets. Also, the reason I like Ruggs better is because anytime he touches the ball, he can take it to the end zone. 
So maybe if you're in a full point PPR, you do lean Hunter Renfro because he's going to get more catches as opposed to Ruggs is going to be targeted more down the field. If you're in a half PPR or a standard, maybe you start to veer more towards Ruggs because Ruggs is going to get more yards. He has more yards on the season than Renfro, despite having five less catches. But their targets are right there. And I feel like I've never expected Ruggs to be the guy who gets the five plus targets a game. He was going to be more like a Deshaun Jackson type of player who he's going to get two shots deep down the field. They might use him on a screen once or twice and that's it. But it seems like Carr is trying to get him the ball more consistently. And these last two weeks have been improving on top of, you know, on top of themselves. And I think if he keeps that up, he may not, he's never going to be the number one in that offense because it's going to be Darren Waller. But if he can steal enough to either get more targets than Hunter Renfro or the same amount, I think I like him slightly better unless you're in a full PPR than Renfro's right there with me. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about guys that are super close. One's averaging 12 fantasy points um, a game. The other's averaging 11 and a half fantasy points a game. I do agree with you, Hunter, Hunter, Henry. Why do they got both start with H? Throw me off here. Henry Ruggs. Does have that big play potential. We saw it in the Pittsburgh game. You know, he had five catches for 113 yards, averaging 22 yards per reception. He did that again against Miami. He was averaging 19 and a half yards a reception. So he definitely has that big play potential. So again, if you're in standard scoring, I would probably actually tend to, you know, lean towards Henry Ruggs, like George is saying, because you're not getting points for catches. And as of right now, it is only three more targets. Uh, on the season for Hunter Renfro, just a guy I like a little bit better, a little bit less owned. Uh, but honestly, the Raiders offense uh, is looking pretty good. And I'm just going to throw one more name out there. I know we only picked three. Um, Josh Jacobs, they're expecting him to be back this week. Uh, but if he isn't, um, Peyton Barber is the lead running back. Uh, can you drop Kenyon Drake? Like, if he's just going to be this pass catching guy, I know I'm throwing this question on you, Barry. Totally Ooh. caught you off guard, but. Like, what is your thoughts on Kenyon Drake with this whole or Kenyon Drake, not Kenyon Drake? Uh, maybe you were drinking if you started Kenyon Drake, but maybe <laughs> just not uh, a guy, guy that's been, you know, he seems to have a role, but it's not like, a, I mean, he's had eight fantasy no. points per league or per game, essentially. But are you ever going to no, I mean, like when we get to bye weeks, when there's going to be a, I'm sure there's going to be one bye week at least where you have two running backs hurt and three top running backs that are on bye. That was when that's when you're probably going to need to start somebody like a Kenyon Drake. And there's always those matchups where if you expect the team to be way behind, which I don't know if that's going to be the case for Vegas, if they keep playing as well as they do, but if they, when they play Kansas city, there's a good chance you could see they're going to be behind. And then you would play someone that's a pass catching running back. I have dropped him down my board a little bit, put him with people like a JD McKissick or a James White, who hopefully he's okay. James White was hurt this week, but someone like that, where you're probably not going to start him a lot of times, but he's good in a matchup where you think the team's going to be losing and have to, you know, throw the wall everywhere and use that screen game as an extension of the run game. But I don't think I'm dropping him yet. No. I, I think that's a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but he's definitely not in my lineups for further notice. Gotcha. Well, you know, some people say if you're not gonna, if you're not willing to play him, why keep him on your, your roster? Uh, something I guess you'll have to figure out. I don't think I would drop him just quite yet either, uh, but this whole Peyton Barber experience really, you know, 
downgraded him a lot on my boards that I would consider it if there was a potential waiver wire guy, you know, especially if, if you had no one league. else to drop for Chubba Hubbard, maybe. Well, even so I know our league and, you know, most leagues out there have reserve spots, but I am in uh, another league that doesn't have reverse revert. Wow. Well, reserve spots. And there's only five bench spots. So, mm. and like, I already have two injuries. Like, Kenyon Drake mm-hmm. would get cut. Is my, then I don't have him, but he would get cut in that situation if I needed a waiver pickup, even for a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who I had to start this week because I felt more confident starting him than you know a, a JD McKissick or a Kenyon Drake, since that's what we're comparing him to. So just something to keep in mind out there. Uh, hopefully, I mean they paid him a lot of money. It's just a weird situation. Uh, but that wraps up the waiver wire. So let's get into our Thursday night preview because we won't be back until after the Thursday night. Thursday night football in week four is the Jacksonville Jaguars visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think it's easy to start off the top. We always talk about Bengals wide receivers and that's where we'll go here for the beginning. T Higgins missed week three. And both other both the other wide receivers had solid weeks. Tyler wanted me to mention to you, Cody, about Jamar Chase and how you almost put him on your sit list and he went for two touchdowns. And then Tyler Boyd also went for a touchdown. If T Higgins is not available again in this matchup, I'm definitely starting both of them. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'd probably start both of them (laughs) as well, just because, like you mentioned, they, they did. They both look good, I believe. I remember if it was PFF or one of ESPN's rankings. I'm pretty sure it was PFF had uh, – what's the dude's name? Joe Burrow. Wow, forgot his name as the number one um, rated passer in week three. So he, oh. he looked out. Jamar Chase did have – you know, you mentioned he did get two touchdowns. He saw five targets. Boyd saw six targets. Mixon, I know he had a down week. He just did, he didn't find the end zone, but he still put up almost 10 points. So no faith or no worry starting him that definitely have faith in him against this matchup. Another guy that surprised me on the other team was running back James Robinson. I did not like him uh, against the Cardinals last week. Boy, did he prove me wrong. So until further, I would, you know, he's a solid running back. He's not the flashiest. The Bengals defense does look improved, um, but it's a Thursday night game. Thursday night games are crazy, so I'd probably throw James Robinson out there. But other than that, like I know we're still debating Chenault, DJ Chark. Chark caught a touchdown this week. Trevor Lawrence, if you're in like a two-flex league, is there any of those guys that you're on the Jacksonville side that you're willing to start? I'm sticking to my guns from last week, and the person who I'm most confident starting outside, maybe James Robinson now that he seemed to get more involved, is Marvin Jones. I'm still sticking with Marvin Jones as the number one target. It's the person that um, Trevor Lawrence seems the most confident with. And I think he's getting the most targets. So, yeah, that's that's who I'm sticking with if I want a safe play, especially when you're playing on a Thursday night. You normally don't want to have a guy go out there and get two. And I don't think Marvin Jones is going to be that guy. So if you're desperate for a wide receiver or a flex, make sure you don't put him in your flex, put him in the wide receiver spot. But Marvin Jones would be my play. Yep, I'm with you. I like Marvin Jones, too. I think he'll be a solid option. Um, I definitely, I know we talked about Dan Arnold getting traded there. This is not the week to play Dan Arnold. It'll be a short week, new team. Maybe look He may not the, even see the field much. 
yeah, he might not even he might be inactive in all if depending on when he mm-hmm. gets there, gets through COVID protocols. So you know, after ten days off, you know that's gonna be a guy you might be looking for in week five. But for now, I think that wraps up this episode. Unless you have anything else to say on this matchup, hopefully uh, the Bengals have looked pretty good. And you know, I did hear someone say as their bold prediction that the Steelers would finish fourth in the AFC North this year. And their bowl prediction is looking pretty good through the first three weeks. Steelers aren't looking good, but we will get to all of that on our Friday episode when we break down the rest of the week four games. So as always, thank you for listening to another episode of the Couch GMs podcast. Tyler should be back later in the week, but since he isn't here, I will remind you his favorite saying, this podcast is more fun for you and more fun for us when get involved. So please get involved. Follow us on social at the couch GMs. Be sure to be checking out the couch for more, you know, more insight, more fantasy news all week long outside of these podcast shows. Definitely. And thank you one more time for listening into the couch GMs podcast for Cody Roadcap. I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all later this week to break down week four.